On this episode of Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered, we talk about why there are not more women CEOs in residential real estate. We talk about moonlit dinners, how to recruit and retain your agents on more of a personal level. We talk about acquiring real estate offices, how to make that happen. It's gonna be an incredible show, tune in. You talk about it privately, we talk about it publicly. This is the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. Welcome again to the Real Estate Insiders Unfiltered Podcast. I'm your host, James Dwiggins, along with my co-host, Keith Robinson, a.k.a. Crazy Uncle Keith. Yes, sir. <laughs> What's Keith? <laughs> this, this, I don't know why it gets funny every time I say that. So. Yeah, because it, it's true. So we had Vanessa Bergmark, the yes. CEO of Red Oak Realty, who yes. is one of my favorite people in the industry. She's an incredible leader. Um, candid, direct, just smart as hell. Tell us, what, were, what, what is she talking about? Man, she talked about building an independent brokerage and sort of David Wirth and Goliath. Um, she talked about a lot of the things that are running through residential real estate and some of the hurdles. She had some really, really interesting thoughts around the people of operating a business that I yeah. thought was brilliant. Uh, and then she my favorite moment, which I hope everyone enjoys, is we talked about why there aren't more uh, women CEOs in the residential real estate space. She had a, a very thoughtful and purposeful answer to that. It's going to be an incredible show. Tune in, everybody. You're going to dig it. Vanessa, welcome to the show. We are super excited to have you here. Both Keith and I have known you for a long time. Long time. Uh, a long time, yes. You are uh, a, a leader in the industry. Uh, you run a very successful real estate brokerage. Uh, you have strong opinions about the industry, which I love about pretty, you. You're not afraid to share them. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. That's true. That's true. Um, so let's just start with, tell, tell the listeners just a little bit about your background, you know, how you got to where you are today running a very, very uh, successful uh, independent company in the Bay Area. Um, and just, you know, yeah. So how did you get to where you are today? And, and, and a little bit about that. So speed it up because it's now it's 21 years in this industry. So Crazy. yeah, I am now considered a veteran. I'm like the old guard, all that sad <laughs> stuff that I was so happy to place at one point. That's, that's who I am. Um, I started under Keith, and that's right. why I was invited on the show because it's clearly about nepotism. And, uh, <laughs> For context, <laughs> she started with me as an agent. Yeah. Yeah. I started working with Keith. Yes. Um, actually, somebody else hired me, but I worked with that's him. True. Like came in as a new manager like three months later at Keller mm -hmm. Williams that's in right. Oakland. Yep. It was like one of the original ones in California when they uh -huh. were kind of first breaking out outside of Texas. Fourth, I, I think third or fourth office they opened, I think. Yeah. 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 So yeah. early days. And um, and then when Keith looked at leaving the team leader role and opening up a new market center, he tapped me to replace him. And yep. so I pretty much owe my entire history, my career <laughs> no. to Keith. You never say you that like ever. The first yes. zero, th yeah. three seconds of your career, uh, and no, but it was that was a a while ago, and B, um, I mean, those were great times. Like those were those early times for you as an agent, yeah. for me as a leader. Like those were really formative times, and uh, you've gone on to amazing things since then. As have you? Yeah, <laughs> yes, so you but this is about you. So, yeah. like. So I started with him and then, uh, and I remember, yeah, he, he 
tasked me to come in and, and try leadership. And and uh, and what's interesting is he actually, before he worked at Keller Williams, was working at Red Oak Realty, <laughs> yeah. which is where I ended up ping-ponging over to, went over and became their sales sales manager of one of their offices, then became their general manager. And then I purchased the company about, I think it was probably about three or four years after I went over into management there. And mm. then I've been running it for the last 13 which has been awesome because you've done a lot of growth and we're going to get into this because i want to we want to talk about how to you know how you took this smaller independent to being a much larger independent and and very significant force in bay area real estate but with all of our guests we have to start with three rapid fire questions yes so uh because it tells us a little bit about you and lets people kind of see into your psyche so keith kick us off sure uh first one if you were to be a superhero or someone from Game of Thrones, uh, who would it be and why? <laughs> okay, well, the Game of Thrones one is new. I, yeah, would, no, I'd... I would be Jon Snow. Yeah, right. And that's so right, but like, I'm going with Jon Snow. Yeah, for sure. Um, I won't elaborate on why, um, but <laughs> yeah. for obvious reasons, because if I was Jon Snow, I'd be like so cool. Um, <laughs> and uh, if I was a superhero, mm -hmm. I'm going with Aquaman. Oh, interesting. No okay. one said that. No, that's a first. Uh, that's wow. a first. I watch all your podcast episodes just to see the answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's why <laughs> listenership has spiked. Exactly. You got a spike in that. Mm -hmm. uh, I went with Aquaman because because that's like the only th that's like really cool to like live under the ocean and like commune through whales and like sharks. Yeah. So I deal with this whole NAR problem, just being a shark as Aquaman. <laughs> Like done tomorrow. We'll dive into nice. that in a minute. Yeah. Well, I yeah. want to go to that comment about NAR, NAR as well. So, uh, favorite book or podcast that you're listening to or reading right now? I don't do podcasts. Okay. It's well, just, book. <clears throat> you're Tell on one, so let's like. Uh. Okay, so a book, a book. I, I so I read probably a new book a week. Um, I'm a big, 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 big reader. I don't read a lot of business books. I'm not into them. That's cool. But I read a lot of history books. The favorite one that I had this year that I recommend every single person read is a book called uh, King Leopold's Ghost. Has anyone read it? Uh, you guys no. read it? Okay. No. Does you it have read. pictures? No. Well, it's got like, it's got like 10 in the middle. Okay. Uh, but it's based on history. It's, it's based on the Belgian occupation of the Congo in the late 1700s throughout the early 1800s. And it really, it really brings a lot of context to, I think, um, racism in america it's it's a mm, it's interesting a interesting yeah. book to read so that was it. i read that earlier in the in the spring and it's probably pitched me on a path of like a good 30 books since so it's been it was a big eye-opener this year i love it that's great keith's gonna add to his list he's he reads all the books and then gives me the cliff's notes version of them so <laughs> um keith wrap us up this is one of your favorite ones okay if you could have lunch with one person current or historical like alive or not alive uh, who would it be and why? Oh my God. Uh, you know, okay. I, I, I still love Winston Churchill and I think yeah. he would be a lot of fun. It's a great one. I bet it'd I think be fun. It'd be a long lunch. It would probably go like into the wee hours of the night. So probably yeah. be like an all nighter. And you I probably think would start at like, two and end yeah. at two. <laughs> totally. yeah. And like, yeah. I'd have to like wheel them out of there. Um, I think, I'd still like like Ben Franklin. I know that's kind of mm -hmm. like cheesy, but he was that's so cheesy. brilliant. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, although I think he's, I think he'd be like the kind of guy that kind of made a pass at you at, at lunch. So I'm <laughs> you heard but it here first. Yeah. I, I have my suspicions about Ben's behavior. Just because of the um, weird glasses or what, what? No, it's just no. the stuff I've learned about him. Like he seems oh. a little bit sleazy. Like right. He used to sit in front of his window naked just to think. Like, really? Like, he was an exhibitionist. Let's, let's just call it what it is. Right? That and now you all know why we have Vanessa on the pod. Here <laughs> we go. I legitimately want to go to lunch with him. So there. Yeah. Which, there which you one go. of your 50 books a year did you read about that in? Oh, no. I actually learned that in London when I went to the Ben Franklin's house. Oh. And he sat there naked. And, like, people would be like, you know, and he was kind of like, he was a big guy. And yeah. it was a little honest. Yeah. yeah. A little well, the, the people that are really brilliant tend to be a little eccentric. Right. So it's, Thank I mean... You. You I mean, think of all of them, and they're they're all yeah. a little eccentric. As so. I'm fond of saying, that brilliance <laughs> and madness are neighbors, and they borrow yeah. each other's stuff. Um, fair, fair. Yeah, those. I think I take the two. Of, I mean, I could double dose them at lunch and do the two of them, and I think it'd be, be weird. Lunch. All right. Okay, so Good let's answer. dive into let's dive into real estate stuff here as well. Um, I I think that I want to compliment you because you've done an amazing job of mm-hmm. growing your your business um and i and i'm gonna ask this question you're competing with you know you're in one of the 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 most expensive real estate markets in the country um you know dealing with a lot of wealth you're dealing with uh really big national brands with big pocketbooks um and you guys have continued to grow and take market share and just you know be very impressive so tell us just like how do you, how do you, how are you continuing to grow your business with that much competition in such a competitive market? What's the, what's your, you know, what are the, what are the secrets behind all of that? Um, wow. Well, I think this is the thing. Um, we have a really big, and, and it is, it's a, it's a wealthy area, but I think beyond even that, it's a, it's a very educated, it's a smart area to do business in, right? These, these clients are they're intelligent people right and they've got high demands they're also very logical like i find our market a very logical kind of data-driven factual not highly emotional not lazy market not to say that there's these lazy markets but they they like these are people that do the work and then they expect you to do the work so as long as you're kind of meeting them there and you have and you hire a type of person that really is okay doing the work is okay educating themselves like one of the biggest things that we still do and and this is pretty astounding when we when we are recruiting and we're hiring is that we train our agents every single solitary week we still have a training on on either market conditions or legal or contracts or you know it could be solar it could be it could be anything but every week all of our agents and you know we've got about 170 practicing agents or so in our in our brokerage i'd say on a training week there's still 80 or 90 of them coming and that's mm. every single week and then we go into our meetings but there's a type of person that's mm. going to work with this brokerage and so they're you're- like, yeah they're going to embrace that and they're going to be there and they're going to show up and they're going to be like i want to learn more i want to know i want to be the best in my game or they're not right? what's your average price uh home that you guys are are we're selling about one, we're about one three one three okay yeah, yeah. so but we're not we don't consider ourselves luxury right like we're we, i will never book myself as like a luxury brokerage right. so right and your clientele is is silicon valley it's it's tech people it's what is the cl- typical clientele you're working with on average 
So yeah, there's a little Silicon Valley in there, right? It's not like mm-hmm. Silicon Valley uh, C-suite. It's more, we get a lot of academia, right? We get, mm-hmm. we're getting Berkeley. We're getting a lot of right. employees. Right? The university. Yeah. Government and university. So mm-hmm. we're probably leaning more, a little bit more towards that. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're high tech, high data. Like they're, they're smart. They're engineers. They're, there's a lot of that profile because it, the market is at such a price point that it distinguishes usually the type of buyer based on their career for affordability factors. So we don't get the full gamut of a market that's just a little bit more reasonably repriced and you get you get everyone. We kind of center around this sort of type of person that um, that is showing up. Usually, usually two people, like, right? Like, mm. So there's, we're usually, we're not dealing with a, a huge amount of single people. There's a lot yeah. of dual right. income. Dual yeah. income. So yeah, 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 yeah. yeah styles you know how, and are you, you sorry go ahead. keith no okay, please go go, okay, go. go you mentioned uh, how you build the office is thoughtful and who will work in your office and or in your marketplace how do you screen for that like is it you know do you have like three questions that you ask every person like if you were a superhero who would you be or <laughs> how do you screen for talent you know, I didn't realize that was missing, but moving forward, like clearly. I mean, drop that in there. Yeah, you learn a lot. You can just credit us for it too. It's fine. (laughs) This is actually the deal killing question here. Um, I think, well, what we do is we go through all of the questions, just learning about them. Mm -hmm. And then they go usually through like a round of interviews. We now have somebody that's doing this almost full time. I used to do it. My staff would do it. Um, But you're basically said like, it's the questions they're asking us. If the first thing that they want to do is say, "Hey, what's your commission plan?" We don't even usually book the meeting. Right? They're right? oh. coming out and saying, what's "I love you. Thank mm-hmm. you for doing that." It's not even. It's, it's the stupidest question to ask when you start a conversation. Is like, why don't you ask about the value before you talk about the cost? Like, it's actually a brilliant question. If it's your highest value, thank you for cutting to the chase. I can already tell you it's not a fit, and it's not because I don't Great. want to discuss price. It's just that that's your leading question. So yeah. we just got a little bit of a values alignment. We're a bit of a mismatch. I love it. I love so it. We, I mean, normally you're somebody that's going to be looking for like you want a legal team, right? You want mm-hmm. agent. You want agent support. Like we have our managers are on every single weekend. Some people are like I don't ever call my manager. We're like great. Well, then you're probably if you're never needing to call, you're either brilliant. You should be running your own thing. Or you're probably not calling at times you should, and you're still yeah. not taking advantage of something. So, yeah. always, right? You're there's two a, weeks uh, away from a lawsuit. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, there's no embarrassment in being like, hey, I'm going to touch base on this posse of people that is here to fully support me and my client. I'm going to tap into that all day long and get my money's worth. That's why I'm here. I love those people. Right. When anybody calls and says, I'm sorry, I'm bothering you, you're never bothering me. Mm. That's what I'm here to do. So you got to get that type of person that's really into that. And then you know pretty quickly. And you just hire consistently to those to those things, to the questions they ask, where you're excited and saying, I want you. I want you to come here. This is why I want you to come here. And you're really mm. kind of going after them. Even when they're brand new, there's ones that walk in and I'm like, we got to get that one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want mm-hmm. that one from birth. So it's right? part mm-hmm. art, part science. It's, it's part yeah. art and part science. Interesting. You said you mentioned that uh, you have them go through a series of interviews. Is that all with staff, or are there some <laughs> experienced agents that you have them talk to who've been around for a while? Or, or yeah. So, so if if now we have somebody who's like literally a black belt in recruiting, so mm-hmm. if, if we get through her occasionally, she'll pop them over to me or one of the other people on the management team. Prior to her, and that's only been eight months. So I've been doing this thirteen years without right. her. It was a whole process. Now with her, she's like she can wear so many hats that she hits it all and she's brought in just some stellar people nice so that's where we're having growth right we're we're retaining which is just as important because that's a core 
foundation of the culture. Yeah. But we're, you know, we're, we're growing. And, and if I think I had to say, like, what is that secret sauce? It's not just that. I'm very clear on what I want for my company. And mm. it is not what I read one day in Inman or one day on HW or like, oh, this is the trend or you got to use AI or and all that stuff infiltrates. But I'm very clear on what we're doing and why we're doing it and who our clients are and what we're serving in our community. And I, I do, I'm unwavering. Mm. And because of that, you know what, when you, when you come in, you know what you're going to get. Yeah. So it doesn't feel like it's, it's like, it's not a bait and switch. Like, Oh, I thought I was just going to get really a low commission schedule, or I thought I was going to get just free reign or my own brand or whatever it is, you know what you're going to get. And so a lot of people, if they're really being honest with themselves and they come, they they're pretty happy there. So then there's a retention, there's a consistency. Mm -hmm. I'm not wavering every time somebody puts out an article and says the industry is blowing up. I've heard that since I bought my first house and I wasn't even in the industry. <laughs> right. Right. right? Like, yeah. So the industry is always blowing up, like yeah. no matter. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it seems to be we're we're pretty fear based in residential real estate for some reason, right? And that yeah. causes this like wavering in leadership. It causes this like doubt, which trickles down to the staff, which trickles down to the agent, which trickles down to the consumer, and it's a nightmare. So if you're just really feeling like centered and grounded in 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 what you're doing as a business owner, it, it kind of it just clicks. Yeah, you know, if you know what you are, then you also know what you aren't. Yeah. Yeah, and you right. just and you just screen for what you are, right? Yeah, like it sounds so simple when you say it that way, uh, but well, you didn't say it well, exactly like that's what I, I heard you say. I think what's really interesting is, and and this is just coming through with, which is why you know you're here. Is you're also a very strong leader, and it's it's one of the things I think people miss. They they buy stuff thinking stuff is going to recruit people, and it may add some value. But I tell people all the time, all of that doesn't mean anything. At the end of the day, they're choosing the leader in which they want to work for. It starts at the top. All of the other stuff is ancillary. All the products and tech, it's important. But if they don't like the person that they're going to be working for, they're never going to work for you anyway. So I love the fact that you aren't wavering on how you want to operate your business. And and I think your comment's valid. It's like some people don't fit. Great. There's lots of other companies to work at. This is what we do. This is what we're about. And you're attracting that talent. I want to piggyback off that. The culture, you're talking about culture and retention. How are you, you know, part of the equation is bringing people in, but how are you making sure they stay and like that they're part of it and that they're that you're continuing to lead them. And I'm assuming just knowing you that you treat them like family. So like how that, how that operates. Like, tell us about the rest of my family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was going to say, I said, that, I was like, well, yeah. Kids. yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I still, I have a very inclusive approach. And it's really interesting because as, as I raise my children, my kids are now 14 and 16. What? And um, That's yeah, crazy. Little babies. yeah, they're like, I got one more year and then my kid's going off to college or two. But in any case, you know, I, my agents are at my house every month. We do this thing now we call, I call it the fullish moon dinner and six agents come in every month and we have dinner and we always order like next month's Swahili and the month before something else. And we, and we kind of do it around the full moon. Cause that kind of keeps me like, Oh, I've got the moon. I've got dinner. Um, <laughs> reminds me that I've got to cook for people in a couple of weeks. That's your CRM system. That, by the way, way, that is the <laughs> most Vanessa thing I've ever heard. I'm going to use the moon as my reminder exactly. for my dinner with my <laughs> I could actually be like, oh my God, it's almost a full moon. I've got like four nights. Oh, that's great. But we do these things. And, and really, I started doing that this year because it was 
the offices, no one's really coming back in them anymore. And I don't think right. that's going to happen. I just don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be the jam as we move forward. So how do we transition from a very, you know, collaborative in your face, kind of everyone together culture uh, into something that's out, but still keep that stickiness. And a lot of it was like we'd hired and gained people and they didn't know each other over the course of the last three years. So it was like, to pick it out of a bowl, there's nothing's forced and everyone just kind of shows up. And then we play this, this, we play this game of salad bowl. In any case, it's an amazing bonding experience. And like, that is an example of just how I'm running my company. You're always at my house. If you work Mm -hmm. at my company, my staff is here. My kids know them. It's, I still run a large organization. It's complex. It's, it's got some notoriety. It's got a big staff now it's, but it's really still very hands-on. I want to know my people and I want my people to know each other because really Mm -hmm. what it comes down to is, it's not all about the leadership. It's really about what goes in that thread throughout the whole company. If they don't like each other, but they like me, like something happens to me, that whole thing dissolves, right? right? Yeah. So the goal is that they really smart value each other. So we call it the hive. They work with each other and that, and that, you know, and it's also just amazing to see how my kids have grown up and seen what makes a company a company. Right. Yeah. And like what it's so much more than like your profit and loss statements and you yeah. know, who's, Right. It's so much more than that. It's like these are like the people that you are getting up out of bed for every day. Yeah. And you're breaking bread in your house, which means it's it's different than going to a restaurant. Yeah, it just is like you're you're inviting them into your home. That's very personal, much more intimate. Yeah, Yeah, much more intimate. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to segue off that because I think it's relevant. So I know you've acquired some offices um, and it's kind of a segue from culture, but Mm -hmm. not only like. How did you do that? Did you raise capital? Like what was the process in doing that? Cause I think that's a really interesting conversation. And then second part culture, how do you blend them? Ooh, that could be like a whole podcast in itself. Yeah. But i tell you this, <laughs> I did not raise capital. Okay. Um, I think that most mergers and acquisitions happen over a course of, of just years of relationships. Like, mm-hmm. right. Because these were people, these were colleagues in the industry. They were competitors but we worked together we collaborated together when things went south we picked up the phone there was a relationship there where we had to compete and there were things they got and things i got over the course of doing business together sure but there was always a huge amount of respect on both sides and i think one day we just kind of came together that was the opportunity you know everyone was so when compass came in right because compass came in like you know we just had to name it it was it was a it was a change in history like if there's yeah. a real estate history they were a game changer they came in and they bought everybody out. they were writing yeah. some checks of, yeah. yeah it was like the, it was the annihilation of like the native americans right i mean it was like the wow. tribes are gone and extreme, but yep. saying, well you know it's, yeah. it's extreme, it was an extreme time that's what it felt True. like True. Yeah, no, and, we appreciate you giving us our soundbite for the promotion of the pod. That was great. <laughs> Compass came in. Never mind. Keep going. <laughs> but it was, and it wasn't, it, it's not even a dig at them, but it took all these little companies totally. and just annihilated them. Totally. It did. So there was like the last of like uh, these groups that got together that were like, hey, we, we kind of have a way of doing things that maybe we were still in our tribes and you were Sue and I was, you know, uh, the right. Banshee. And we, kind of competed against each other, but there's a certain time now where we're at least coming from the same field. And so those opportunities opened up. Did, but you, did they all just approach you and you were just like, Oh yeah, I guess that's a good idea. Right. No, of course. So you, you had some thoughtful. I have been on a million dates. I mean, 
if, right. if let's just say if this wasn't real estate, I'd be labeled a couple of things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went on. I will talk uh, to anybody because I never know where my next relationship will be, and I right, don't know yeah. if I'll be the acquirer or the acquired. Like you yeah, don't sure. know. I'm never going to be. Oh, never. No. Yeah. You know. So you know, with Marvin Gardens, it was a good synergy. We tried a couple of years ago. It wasn't the right time. And then it became the right time. Yeah. There are always those conversations. I mean, there are people out there that I know I'm not doing business with now, but given the opportunity and the right timing, we'll do business together. Yeah, sure. Whatever way it looks like. You'd like so, to, right? Yeah. 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 So there's, there's that opportunity. I will say this though, you know, the idea that you need to bring in all this capital or that you need backing or all you need is everything you've ever had when you ran your business anyway. It's just like some creative, you know, you've got that ideology, you've got those same values, anything can be put together. Like that's the mm -hmm. wonderful part of being an independent. I right. don't have bylaws this book of what I can and cannot do and whose territory <laughs> I'm in and what, you know, yeah. I crossed over and who owns that and who's the, you know, the political, yeah. and all. like, it's just, I'm an independent. So yeah. I'm headquarters, I say, I'm like, well, if it's, you know, mostly legal and ethical and spiritual, <laughs> uh, let's go for it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so wait, 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 I got a question first. I got, yeah. I'm sorry. Cause there's a through line here that you mentioned multiple times about people and the human involved in the process before the business of the business process. Where does that come from for you is where do you think is the origin of that? Cause it seems thematic in everything you've discussed so far. Oh, well, look at that. Um, I, I think I remember almost every escrow of how I was treated on the other side. It didn't matter mm. what went down, but how that person picked up the phone and how they handled things um, was even if it got into high conflict, if there was a level of respect or there wasn't, you just kind of remember those things. And that relationship, yeah, I mean, we have got, we're on opposite ends of the table constantly, but that doesn't mean that there's not this collaboration or this respect. Sure. And let me tell you, I've been treated disrespectfully plenty of times, plenty of times. And there's been plenty of times that I've been treated with the utmost respect from people that, you know, didn't have to, but that's just who they were in their character. Yeah. Those things come around. Yeah. They come back around, right? Yeah. So, you know, how you treated anyone, how you break up with someone, how you leave a company, how you maneuver, how people leave the company they're at to come to me. Mm. And, you know, we watch that, right? You can be like, uh-oh. I see how this is going to end in six months to two years with this person because I just saw how they showed up. Right. Um, so yeah, I think I, I'm also just, I, I never made decisions purely out of like, again, bottom line data. I look at that. I'm a numbers girl, but I really have looked at like, what is the legacy of this person's character within this market dynamic for years? And that is always probably how I've made decisions around. I haven't done that many acquisitions, but you know, I'm only 21 years in. Um, <laughs> it's it's. I think that's really where it comes from. Is like, are you are you guys relatable? Because at the end of the day, I mean, it's what breaks up marriages too, right? It's like it, it's 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 usually not the finances or that piece. It's it's usually just something about like the day to day how you yeah. treat people and the overall. The way, you, the way you load the dishwasher has ended a lot of relationships. Not that's really, true, but right. Maybe. They say it's either yeah. a, a raccoon on crack or like a, a Danish. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I am the Danish engineer in my relationship. Yeah, I'm a little bit of the raccoon on crack. Yes. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so, world needs both kinds. Yeah. They do. 
So let me ask you this, because you've been involved in <clears throat> a lot of different aspects of the industry. You've been involved with NAR, you've, you've been involved with Women Up, you've been involved in so many aspects to make the industry better, um, which, is, which is awesome. And this is a, this Keith and I were, were talking about this because we were watching a stat. I mean, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of things going on at NAR <laughs> right now. Um, and we'll, we'll address some of those, um, especially around the lawsuits. But, you know, the stat we were looking at, which we just found just, we're just totally confused by it still as well. 60% of all realtors are women, but it doesn't, but 60% don't represent the CEOs of this industry. And what, what, what needs to change? Women. That's a pretty direct question, what? but. What? What I think I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, and it's going to be, uh, here's going to be my angry email. Um, I don't think the men are going to change because, because frankly, why would you like, who's going to be like, you know what, let me give up some more of my market share. Let me give up like my, nine of my seats and make sure that you're like, it's, it's just a, it's a really, it's almost like a spiritually religious answer to say to somebody, I need you to change and give away some of your power. Cause most people won't. Mm. I think, I think women need to step into those roles and, they're not going to be invited. They're not going to be asked. You know, I, I always say this in society, we have trained our men to ask for everything, including their first date, their prom date, like everything. They get all those years of experience of asking for what they want and getting all the rejection and just learning to be fine with it. Hmm. We on the other side have had to like take the role of like, well, wait for it or don't ask for it. Now that, that narrative is totally changing, but I think until it changes, it's not just real estate. A lot of industries are populated by women. They're just not populated in the leadership roles by women. And I think one of the other reasons of that is when when I use a dominant trait, I'm often told that that's a male trait. Hmm. It's not a male or a female. You can't you can't put a, you know a gender on a response. Right, right. They, they just they are inherently <laughs> genderless, but. You know, you get put into these typecasting of roles of like, wow, she's aggressive or assertive or or something that would be a male trait. Well, oh, call it what you want. But when you can actually embrace, I think, that duality of who you are as a human, mm. you're going to be way more comfortable having, having to use responses that may be not of your gender, right? Not gender specifically. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got to go into a place where it's going to be uncomfortable. I, it's it's great for me to nurture and to invite people over for dinner. Like that's a very female thing to do. But what about when I have to negotiate a really complex transaction? What about when I have somebody who's like a, a CEO of a massive firm that wants to go head to head with me on finances? Like, am I going to be equally as comfortable there as I am serving chicken? Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, yes, I, right. I am. And I think a lot of women are, mm -hmm. but they don't, they don't necessarily know that. And, and they're just comfortable. Like they, they, they talk themselves into like, well, uh, you know, I've got children or I've got a spouse or that there's a million ways as to say why you, you shouldn't do it. But until, until the women truly, you know, make the space at the table, sit in the seat, walk into the room and, and step into that, no one's going to lead them there. So mm -hmm. I, I, I hate, like, I don't want to say like it's a woman's fault. It's not women's fault, but it mm -hmm. is their opportunity. Right. Well, I asked the question and you know, that, it's obviously in this polarizing country, things can go in all different directions, but I think Keith and I wanted to ask it because there needs to be more, more of you yeah. and you're, you're awesome at what you do. And I think it, uh, I think it, it, the more that we can, you know, figure out a way to create more of those opportunities, I think is a really good thing for our business and our society and everything else. So, um, 
we appreciate that. It was a really, mm-hmm. I love how just direct you are about this stuff and, and, you know, your approach on it. Um, you could, I, I could see this, you could invite more women to opportunity. Like you could get them exposure mm-hmm. because sometimes I think with women, when they take their baby steps in it, they, they get the exposure and they start to feel more empowered and that does lead them, right. It leads them down a path. I mean, I, I gotta say, I went, it's cause it's funny, right? Like, Keith was the one that, ta- I never went to Keith and said, I want a leadership role. That's so true. you did do that, right? Like, he's yeah. been doing that for, you know, a really long time. No, so- and we do this still today, to be clear. Like, yeah. I mean, in our, <laughs> it's our, you know, a, a majority of our corporate team is actually women. Um, yeah. And it's not, it's not based on gender. It's based upon qualification, but also you can, you can see somebody and go, this person's going to do amazing things as Keith tap them on the shoulder and say, you should be doing more. Like this is where you should be in, in a role. So um, yeah, the biggest just, problem in any business that, that I've ever been involved with is the talent gap, right? Mm-hmm. So it never, I don't know, maybe it's because my mom is sort of my, she's she's been the biggest influence on my life professionally, right? C-level executive in healthcare and that sort of stuff. So it never occurred to me to to think of, like, I'm just looking for the, the single best person 100%. I can find. Yeah. Because if I can get three to five of the best human beings possible, my life changes in amazing ways, right? As a leader, it didn't mm. candidly don't tell anybody. It gets way easier. My life gets way easier the more talent that that I surround myself with. 100%. Yeah. 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 What do you see as the biggest challenge facing our industry today? Is it, you know, is it AI? Is it lawsuits we'll talk about that in section in a, in a minute like lax licensing laws legislative stuff any i mean what what is your what's your take right now you've been doing this a long time so yeah i mean it's always the same it's been the same problem i mean ai is lax i mean the lax licensing laws have been there since forever so that's probably not gonna change um i think i think we can't get out of our own way I, a lot of times as leaders i mean i really find that you know, holding the line, we have an, we've got an interesting product. We don't have employees. We basically work for them. And, and if you realize like that, you know, they're the customer, um, and your job is to make yourself almost like indispensable into the eyes of, of, of your customer. Uh, then I think that you move with a little bit more confidence. I, I think we have a very, um, our, our, our our leaders in this industry at the very, very top most levels suffer from severe lack of confidence. <laughs> and I, and if they, if they had more of it, they would hold that line and this industry would be far superior. I think than it probably is. And, and, and not, not everyone gunning to, to find the angle to take it down. Right. Mm. I mean, I feel like we are constantly fighting the, 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 that exterior of like, consumers and laws and, you know, this DOJ thing, like, it's just, it's been so hard. Like we're really always the underdog and there's a reason there's that it's because there's a lot of really kind of lame people in our industry. Um, and, and they're not bad inherently. There's something, they're just, they, they don't, there's, there's a lack of scarcity value mindset versus oh. abundancy mindset. Hmm. And, there's, and there's a lot of us, right? So yeah. there's, there's just a lot of us. So there's this, you know, 
I don't know. So the biggest threat is actually ourselves in in essence. Really? Which is terrible, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because there you are. (laughs) Well, at least it's easier to solve, maybe. Well, maybe not, right? I don't know. I think it's the hardest thing to solve because you have to, you know, in in, in changing the industry, you might have to remove yourself from it. Yeah. Wait, (laughs) are you saying I'm the problem? (laughs) She's looking directly at you, by the way, Keith, when she said that. I did did look at Keith. Well, I I mean, it's almost like association and MLSs. I mean, it's like we we all know they need to consolidate, but nobody wants to give up their job. I get why, but like, but there's a thread that I want to pull on a little there because some of it I think has to do with the perception of this managing or leading independent contractors. Right. And we think that that means we always have to do whatever they want sometimes in this industry, but they really truly like most people want to be led and being led sometimes means telling, you no, right. But that seems to very often be resisted in this industry. Like, I don't want to tell my agents, no, I don't want to deliver bad news to my agents, but strong leaders will, right? You'll come anyway. Here's a reality of where we are in time and space. This is the direction that we have to go. I love you enough to tell you the truth and I'm heading this way. I hope you come with me, right? Now you can't do that all day, every day on every topic, but on the big important ones, if you make enough of those emotional deposits, enough of those full moon ish dinners and and all of the things that matter, then you've earned the right to make an emotional withdrawal and say, this is the direction that the company is headed. And I sure hope you follow me. Totally. Or the market is headed or the, like, yes. yeah, the consumer demand is headed or yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah. So, but I think so often they just are, are in the full moon ish dinner phase, which is very important, but they don't have the confidence to your point to then say, this is the direction because of the industry or because of the lawsuits or because of whatever. And then I would say, like, don't lead. You could still have a role within this, but don't be responsible for taking 200 or 300 or 500 or 700 people with you on a bad journey. Like there are some <laughs> people that just shouldn't lead, yeah. right? And like, you only really need one to 500. I mean, yeah. the ratio is not like, and I'm not, and I'm not saying it in an, even an arrogant way, but there's going to be a time where I have to willingly and, you know, hang up my hat mm-hmm. right? because mm-hmm. my time for leading has, has ended. All right. Yeah. Let me ask you one question. Then Keith will wrap us up with his yep. favorite question at the back. Are, are you, are you preparing your people? Cause we're talking about leadership. So are you preparing your people for the lawsuits? Like, or what is your take on that right now? I'm just curious. So, so, you know, I don't prepare them. I, we don't talk about it in the context of lawsuits, right? What we talk about it is in the concept, uh, context of agency. Mm. And now it's how are you delivering and articulating your value to buyers and getting comfortable with eventually signing a contract. It, it, it's, it's not first, we've got to get them trained on really articulating that piece. Um, and getting really, really confident in what they're doing and how they're how they're representing buyers, and we're doing a lot more of that. But we've yeah. done that pretty much all through time, anyway. We've done it on the list side forever. Right. Now we're just changing the narrative. We're obviously right. we're changing even how we talk to consumers from a buy side narrative as we get ready. But the contracts are not yet needed, so you don't want to throw that in at this moment because it actually could could hinder their ability to get in the Bay Area. So you're maybe like, stepping right? it, but you're yeah. preparing. So, yeah, yeah, but it's really just like you are going to serve. And, you know, we've already served 60% by side anyway. So it's articulating that value. I think my feeling is the language that we're using right now is the game is certainly not over when, uh, if, if and when this happens and it switches <laughs> to writing a contract um, where you have to, 
you know, negotiate a buyer your broker agreement or whatever. What yeah. I actually think is going to be interesting is those that are, you know, I look at my list item, I won't go into anything that violates <laughs> any topics around <clears throat> compensation, but it's interesting to see, you know, I have agents that may charge a higher amount than what would be considered the industry standard, mm-hmm. but they're damn well worth it. And their sure. consumers, consumers agree as well. So sure. it's interesting to see once we're, once we're negotiating the buy side, will that come through? And will you start to see stronger brokerages and stronger agents based on that disruption? I well, think it's, you- a, it's a really interesting comment. And then I'll shut up because I know Keith wants to finish this out. There <laughs> was a comment a guy made to me once. He goes, I can't wait for the day. This is from somebody else, by the way. Um, I agree with it. That I don't have the listing agent telling me what my compensation is when representing a buyer. Yeah. Hell yeah. That was just a really interesting comment. He's like, I would rather be able to talk to the buyer and dictate what I want to be compensated and be in charge of that discussion. I was just, I was like, that's a, that's that right there. There's something right there in that in that topic. So, and so, so here's what's interesting too. Just just quick narrative on that mm-hmm. is when I was talking about like, well, what makes Red Oak Red Oak? The fact that people show up every week to learn more. That the yeah. fact that they are not so egotistical or arrogant that they've been in it for 30 years and are like, I still have more to learn. It's that mindset that's uh, going to be okay with that decision, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And that's how, like, I prepared for this 25 years ago mm-hmm. by having yeah. a culture that showed up every day saying, I want to learn more. Yeah. I, yeah. I just tell me what I need to know and let's figure it out together. And so I feel like I'm, I'm not like, yay, I can't wait, but I'm like, all right. It'll happen and I'll be ready. Yeah, yeah. The, the two soft skills, or maybe they're not soft skills really, but the two skill sets that I think everyone who is listening to this should be working on tomorrow are pro- differentiation and providing value to the buy side of the experience, right? So be thinking about that, be talking about that. And then negotiation, right? Like we're not used to negotiating. In general, as an industry, we're not great. We're brilliant humanists, but we're not, maybe the best negotiators. So those two skill sets are going to be at the front. The people that are better at that or get better at that will get their unfair share on the other side of these potential changes that are just coming. Just be open to getting better at that. Yeah. You don't yeah. Have to yeah. Out. Just, just start just yep. 1% better, right? You're 1% better. Okay. This is what we always end with. Are you ready? Oh, yes. If you were really, are you a licensed real estate agent still? Well, anyway. yes. Yeah. Do you yes. transact? Nope. Oh, okay. So if you were a transacting real estate agent today, what is the one thing you would add or do to your business to make the biggest impact for the between now and the end of the year? Add or, oh my God. You know, it's a good question when they got to think about it. I know. Well, I, I would say I really am starting to get way, I know it's so old video, but like really just, I, I, I still think video is really, really incredibly important as it I is. see next generation where they're going with it. Yeah. So I do believe that it's that, but I gotta say, um, there is nothing, nothing, nothing better than learning how to negotiate. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing better. I just, I don't know if I, if you guys knew, but I, I, during COVID I was getting bored just working and drinking high end wine. So I, <laughs> cause I, every, Said every week, no one ever, ever. <laughs> I could die next week. You remember those early yeah. days? You're like, I remember those days. Drink yeah, the good like wine. I still use that excuse every day to drink high and wine. My by garage the way. looked so. a lot like a liquor store. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly, right? So I, I went back and I, I enrolled and I went and got my master's in law and I just wrapped it up in May. Oh, congrats. And, um, congratulations. It was, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was, I, it, I did it sort of impulsively and then I was like, oh God, now I have like 
law books to read every single week while running a company. It was, it was a lot, but it's amazing when you really start like writing again and you're, you're reading law and you're getting deep into contract and you're getting deep into like I 21 years in this business. Um, and I can't tell you how much I took away and like, it has served me so much more just mm. taking it to that next level. Yeah. So there is a differentiator in those that are, it's not that you know how to do it. It's that you're just so comfortable with it. Right. That like, you right. don't even, like, it's just like, oh, I got to get you're on like, the phone. All right. this thing. Let's go do oh, this. And it's yeah. just this comfort level and it's so disarming. And then it creates this whole dialogue that is, and, and it's just a very powerful thing. So I, I, I truly believe like, I'm not saying go back to law school for it, but what <laughs> my point is, is if you get super comfortable in that, the world's your oyster for almost everything you do in life. As soon as you walk out your door, yeah. like as soon as you tuck your kid into bed and it comes into play. Right? Like, so I just think yeah. that's, that's the key thing is if you're in business and you're in a high level business like this, where it's high end, you know, collateral being exchanged, know your shit. And, and the first thing is to like, know that when you do and don't and how you're going to negotiate around it. That's yeah. my big takeaway. Good one. Outside I love it. Yeah. I love it. Vanessa, thanks for being on. It was awesome. We always love uh, hearing your wisdom and just your leadership skill is, is great and refreshing. So um, congrats on all the success too. Yeah. So, Thank you for having me, guys. It was good, of to, course, see you. Of good course. to see you. Listen, we care about you deeply, which is why we never want you to miss an episode of this podcast. Subscribe now. It's just a push of a button.